welcome to Spirited Conversations. I'm your host, Terry Kennedy. Over the years, friends, family, colleagues, and sometimes complete strangers have shared personal stories with me of encounters with departed loved ones or with unknown entities that couldn't be explained away. These stories have always intrigued me, both personally as a person of faith and professionally as a researcher. Through this podcast, I seek to share and honor these experiences. It is so good to see you, Naomi. Nice to see you too, Terry. You just look wonderful. And now they're only going to hear the audio of this, but your background is just mystical. Oh, that's a background. We live in Florida and there is a nature preserve near where we live that we like to hike in. And that's the background with the Spanish moss on the trees. And also there's a lake back there where there's quite a few alligators. Well, so it's a fun place to hike, but we stay away from the lake. <laughs> okay. What I'm hiding in my blurry background is we're in Arizona right now. And we are staying down here because of the pandemic. I'm able to work remotely. So it's like, well, I might as well work remotely from Arizona instead of Kansas City. And we had just moved a bunch of stuff into the house before we moved to Kansas City. And it's now all in this room. So I've got like boxes and boxes and boxes that I'm, most of it is memorabilia and family things after sure. people have died that I just haven't had the time or the heart to go through yet. So you might get lost in the crocodile swamp. I might get lost in the swamp that is my junk room here. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, well, you very graciously shared a story through a request that I put out on Facebook. I basically asked if people had a story of a departed family member where there was sort of an unusual experience that they just mm -hmm. couldn't quite explain away. And you right away said, you oh, have yeah. something. So I'm just going to open it up and just tell me the story. Oh, well, it's, yeah, it's an interesting story. So this involves my father-in-law. Mark and I have been married for like 43 years. So I know my father-in-law very well. Um, in life, he was a joker and a teaser. And we'd go to restaurants and he'd always tease the waitresses. I mean, he had a great sense of humor, a very warm, loving, fun guy. And he had some health issues. This was back in like 2018, 2019. And eventually he had to go to an assisted living facility and eventually passed away in February of 2019. Because it was cold. He lived up in Minnesota. It was winter, you know, and we went up for the funeral ceremonies, but we didn't do anything with the, a lake home that he lived in before he went to assisted living. So talking about packing up things, we went north, northern Minnesota. My husband's sister came along with us. And um, in May, we went to the cabin. We called the cabin, even though he lived there full time. And the place, you know, because he'd been by himself. My mother-in-law had passed several years before that. It was kind of a mess. There was a lot of clutter, a lot of junk. So we started cleaning things up. And the first thing we noticed the first night is that he had a favorite chair that he used to like to sit in. And it faced these big picture windows and looked out onto the lake. And the chair had like this upholstery, you know, fishing rods, fishing men, that sort of thing. It had little armrest covers. And the armrest covers kept falling off. They wouldn't stay put. And I would put it back and put it on. And then next thing you know, it was on the floor. And then my sister-in-law would pick it up, put the other one back on. The next thing you know, it was on the floor. I'm going, okay, 
Jim, what's going on here? What are you doing? Why, why are you making us do this? You know, so it was like, okay, I guess he's here. And the next day I was cleaning through, I, there was all kinds of old receipts and bills and junk and things, you know, that's what you do when people pass on as you have to deal with all that kind of stuff. It was hard work and, but, you know, we were, you know, doing it and getting along and laughing a little bit too, you know, and I had a box full of things that I wanted to save. And in the center of the kitchen, there's a, um, there's an island and there's bar stools and the bar stools are fairly level. So I took this box with the things I wanted to save. I set it right in the center of the bar stool. And I went back over to this other area where the desk was. And all of a sudden the box is on the floor with papers all over the place. And I'm going, oh my goodness. Okay, Jim, I guess you want us to know that you're here. And we all talked about it. And it was, it was an amazing feeling because it was like, we could feel his spirit there. And he was playing his little pranks on us and letting us know, okay, I'm here. It's okay. We know you're here. And I think he was happy that we were there. The craziest thing happened, though, is that at that time, uh, my eldest son had remarried and his new wife was pregnant. And then I was talking about the baptismal gown with Mark's sister, Cindy. And we were like, I wonder where that is. You know, we, we didn't know where it had been put away or who had it last. And then I don't remember whether it was a day after that or not, but it was like fairly shortly after that, Cindy had gone downstairs. There was a den, a lower level den downstairs. And there on a chair was a bag and labeled the, on the bag was Thompson baptismal gown. And I'm going, what, are you kidding me? She said, did you, she said, I found this. And she said, did you take this out? I said, no, no, I, you know, we were looking for it. We were thinking about it because we wanted to give it to our oldest son for our grandchild to be. And I said, no, we didn't take it out. And I said, Cindy, did you take it out? She said, no. And Mark, did you take it out? No. And I was like, I mean, how, how did that bag with the baptismal gown end up on a chair in the den downstairs. I mean, we had both been down there before and we would have, I think we would have noticed it. I don't know. It's just so bizarre. I've never, ever had experiences like that. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual. You know, I, I grew up with my father as a Lutheran pastor and I believe that there's life after death, but I also believe that, you know, people, their souls depart but I think he was he was just kind of hanging around a little bit just <laughs> just to make sure we were all doing fine and the place was fine and after that you know I think we came back later in the summer with a bunch of the kids and we didn't have any more experiences it was just that one time it was like he was just there that one last time just you know let us know he was he was there he was having some fun with us and he was it felt like he was happy that we were there which is really unusual feeling because I've done, you know, I've gone through that whole process. I've lost both my parents too. And it's really hard to go through the process of sorting through things and cleaning through things and organizing things. But it sure made that a lot easier to have him pulling tricks on us while we were there. The 
I love that story. And what I love is that your first instinct was, Jim, you know, are you the one doing this? So were there three of you there then? Or how many? Yes, it was three of us. It was myself and then my husband and then his sister. So my sister-in-law, and we're all very close. I mean, like I said, we've been married a long time. So, and I felt, you know, he was part of my family too. So all three of you experienced these things happening. Yes. And did anybody, it sounds like, were you gaslighting me? I mean, you, it sounds like you did your due diligence and checked with each other. Like, are you doing this? Oh, we did. We did. We did. Okay. I mean, we all agreed this was just really bizarre. This is. It just happened over a couple of day period then. Yeah. It was just a couple, two, three days. That was the first time we had gone back since he had passed away and he hadn't been living there. He, like I say, he was in an assisted living home for, it was about two, three months before he passed. It was, it wasn't that long of a time period. And then we, Again, when we came back in, in the summertime, that's when we finished. I mean, we're still cleaning up there. You know how it is with people. Oh, yeah. We got the worst of it, you know, sorted through the, the heavy duty paperwork that we needed to get through. So he entertained you a little bit and made the yeah, he did. a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Had you or your husband or your sister-in-law ever had anything similar happen? We've known each other since we were young, and we both shared the Lutheran faith as our upbringing. Do you remember any other earlier experiences? Well, I've had people come to me in my dreams, but it wasn't as tangible as that. My mother passed. I had a very vivid dream of her visiting me. And uh, my children were young at that time. And then in the dream, she was playing with the children and and saying, everything's going to be okay. But again, that was a dream. And I knew I was dreaming. It wasn't as as physically tangible. (laughs) So I had this interesting thing. Charlie and I, after my mother died, woke up one morning, we had moved into the condo that my mom and dad had lived in. And we were living there while we were sorting through things. And we ended up living there for a while. But we both woke up one morning having dreamt about my mother. And I asked him, what was she wearing? And he said, it was this long flowing dress. And it was like bright burnt orange. And I had dreamt the same thing. Wow. It was very strange. So I'm wondering, have you ever had anything like that where there was a dream that it was like, you're going, well, this is a little bit too vivid or, or this is like at a time that I'm really needing this kind of reassurance or. Well, that's how I felt about that dream is that I really needed that reassurance. And at the time that this was kind of a unique situation because she had passed away when I was in Europe, Uh, my husband was working in Europe at the time. And so I wasn't able to be there when she passed and I went back for the funeral. And then I ended up having to go back to Europe because my husband was working in Europe at the time and I brought the kids with me. And so I really needed that kind of reassurance because I wasn't there when she passed. And so it was one of those things where it was such a comforting dream because I was very sad and upset that I couldn't be there. It was, it was very peaceful and very calming to me. 
How did you feel about your mother? Oh she- gosh. Well, I'll tell you, I was actually supposed to go to a conference in Ireland and my mother was in at home mm-hmm. hospice and my brother ended up coming out to stay with her, but I just felt like I shouldn't leave. It just felt like she was getting closer and closer to the end. And my mother started, you know, sleeping a lot more and, you know, kind of coming in and out. And I was saying something to my brother and I think to the nurse about, gee, I just don't feel like I can go, you know, I need Mm -hmm. to stay. And out of what seemed like a deep slumber, my mom said, you are going to Ireland, like really (laughs) loud. And I said, well, I guess that's settled. Well, then I couldn't find my passport. And I thought, nope, I'm not supposed to go. I'm not supposed to go. And I went to the house and I called my brother and I said, you know, I think I'm just going to have to stay. And I called Charlie and I said, I can't find the passport. And and when I talked to my brother, he said, just keep looking, you'll find it. Mm -hmm. And I went back and all of a sudden it was right there. And so I called Charlie and I said, you know, I leave tomorrow. My, and, my, at my, and my mom had ended up just getting admitted to inpatient hospice that morning. Okay. And so I said, can you bring me to hospice? And I can at least be there for the night. And so I was with her and was holding her hand and I fell asleep and I opened my eyes. I kind of, you know how you're sort of half awake and I opened my eyes and the nurse was standing at the door And I thought I saw her say she's gone. And I turned and looked up and I had fallen asleep holding my mom's hand with my head on the bed next to her and she had died. And I said to everybody, she died so that I would get on the damn plane and go to Ireland. something about that dying experience where people are really still aware. I have to tell you, I do have another story. My father was passing. He was in hospice care and the nurse called my sister and I to come fly out. It was time. And they called, we called my brother and my younger sister had already passed away. We went down and my sister and I got there first. It's right before Christmas. And we were sitting with him and talking to him and singing Christmas carols. And we kept saying, dad, Eric's coming too. He'll be here in a few hours, Eric's coming. But I could tell he was getting close because you know how when, I mean, his fingertips were starting to really get cold and his physically, you could see the circulation just wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. And, you know, Eric's coming, he's coming. Then Eric finally made it. My dad was still hanging on. We were still talking to him and singing a little bit. And then Eric came and we said, okay, dad, Eric's here. And I think he opened his eyes a little bit, you know, it was not real because he was pretty sedated by that point. But then all of a sudden he just, he let go. He waited. He knew even though he was sedated, even though he wasn't conscious, visibly conscious, he knew to wait until my brother got there to let go. I just think that's amazing too. I don't know. I don't understand. There's a lot about this that we just don't understand. experiences that you had related to hospice did you experience a family member talking about people who had already passed as if they were there with them or having conversations with people that nobody else could see yeah my father basically was 
seeing my mother and my sister. And he had been seeing my sister and my mother talking about that earlier when he was lucid. And it was before I heard about it secondhand too from the hospice care that they had, he had that experience that he was seeing them and he wanted to go to be with them. After my mother had died, my aunt, who was her older sister, she had already lost her two brothers and her sister. And my cousin told me that my aunt kept saying, well, there's a little blonde girl at the foot of the bed. Mm-hmm. And my mother used to say when she was little, she called herself a toehead. I guess they said that when about little kids when they were blonde and then their hair, her hair turned brown later, but then she became a natural blonde again, much later. <laughs> you know how that happens. But, right. <laughs> like I'm a natural redhead, but I just always thought it was my mom who was in her childlike form, was at the foot of the bed waiting for her big sister. Like, come on, come on, let's go play. Well, it's interesting. We've talked about finding the dressing gown, the baptismal gown. Was that something that you thought about or were looking for? And it just appeared. So like, here it is. Yeah, this gown was the baptismal gown that we had baptized our oldest son in. And it was, my husband had been baptized in it and his mother had been baptized in it. So there was this really long history of beautifully handmade, very delicately sewn, a little embroidery on it. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful gown. So we had been looking for it and we knew it was around somewhere. And again, I so appreciate being able to share these kinds of experiences with someone, because these are the things we usually talk about in the family, maybe, but we don't talk about with other people. Right. But I'm just wondering if, as you're thinking about it, if you can think of any other experiences that you've had that you just couldn't quite explain. We've had so much death in the past few years. My, my young sister passed away in 2016. She had lung cancer. So sorry. Never a smoker. And I wasn't able to be with her. My other sister was with her when she was passing. We were taking turns. Actually, I was supposed to go up next. And the day she passed, I saw this beautiful bald eagle flying. And I just, it immediately struck me and said, okay, this, this, you know, it reminds me of my sister, you know, being strong and being on eagle's wings. And the church she went to is Eagle Rock, you know, wow. she was in Arkansas. Oh. <laughs> you know, there's just that whole theme where you see an animal and it just, you know, it's like, oh, I wonder if this is what's happening right now. And it was. It, my sister called me and told me that she had passed and, you know, her daughter and her husband were with her and but it was just one of those moments where you just go, oh, yeah, that's, that's my sign that her spirit's flying now. She's soaring. I had a similar kind of a sign with a dove the week before my mom died. And we were waiting for my brother to come out the nurse said, I think we better give her some morphine. Well, my mom, she was out for like three days and 
I ended up, Charlie had to come and help me lift her up and get her in a chair and get her comfortable and that kind of thing. And I finally said to the nurse, I know my mother well enough. She wouldn't want to go out this way if she, if she was still okay. So she started coming out of the morphine. She was on the couch and had been sleeping for a day and a half, at least by that time. And as she started waking up, she didn't want me to leave. And I was teaching online, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And so I had my laptop and I was like literally leaning against the couch she had her hand on my shoulder the whole time. It was like she was Aww. keeping track of me. And I was teaching class online and emailing uh -huh. people. And then I remember saying something about, well, I'm going to get a pizza. And she goes, no, 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 don't leave me. And I said, no, mom, I can order it online. She goes, you can't do that. And I said, no, I can. I said, just look, you know. So I was like right there, just like planted next to her. And then she fell asleep again at one point. I looked out and on her patio there was a dove that had planted itself in a little basket. And I'd never seen a bird out there at all. And it stayed there all day long. You would know this more than most is that symbol of the Holy Spirit. Right. You know, with right. The, you know like ready to take mm -hmm. off. That's mm -hmm. exactly what happened at the end of the day. This dove flew up and paused in front of the, as if it was like photo shoot, you know, like I'm the Holy Spirit. And then it flew off. And I took that as this comforting sign. I actually ended up converting to Catholicism later wow. in life. And I shared it with our Monsignor. And he said, you have definitely been visited by grace. But yeah, isn't that interesting? We both had at a bird, mm -hmm. some kind of an mm -hmm. animal sign. Well, and there's so much imagery. And, uh, you know, the Old Testament is full of the eagles. And, the, um, and the, there's the, the mother hen with her chicks. I mean, there's all kinds of images yeah. about, about the, the birds. And, and I will raise you up on eagle's wings. Yeah, I like that song too. I do too, yeah. <laughs> gentle, gentle is the angel. Well, I'm wondering, I asked somebody else this question recently. She had also shared that she had dreams that were comforting when people passed. If you had control of what happens to your soul after you die and you were able to hang around for a little bit, do you think you would appear in a dream or would you do something mischievous or what might you do? Who would you visit and what would you do? Oh my goodness. I, <laughs> I, I like the dreams. I think, you know, I mean, I have so many people that are near and dear to me and that, that I love so much, especially my family. So I probably would do the same thing my mother did and go and visit, you know, my husband and my children, my grandchildren, you know, and bring them warm, loving thoughts. And, you know, who knows what happens? I, I do believe that my spirit will be around for a little bit, you know, and, and hopefully I'll be able to do that. <laughs> I don't know what the timeline is or what happens afterwards or how it all works. I don't think any of us know that I would like that if I could come back and give them all a, a spiritual hug. <laughs> any signs in your family where something happens and you go oh that's dad or oh that's mom like a, a we've got this thing where 11 11 comes up and my mom used to always say oh that's dad and now I say it's my mom and dad yeah no actually we haven't been very superstitious I mean it's one of those things I mean we acknowledge that in you know, life and death I mean growing up with father was a clergy it was you know and that you have a soul and that and, and that 
you know, your body is just dust and your soul continues on to be in heaven. So I didn't, we never did anything really superstitious. I, I would call that more superstitious, you know. Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little more open to things too now <laughs> than I was when I was younger. <laughs> I think I'm the same. When I was growing up, I thought I wanted to be a minister. And that was back before women could be ministers in the Lutheran church. It didn't occur to me that you couldn't do it back in those days. And then, you know, here I go join the Catholic church where I definitely can't be a priest. So I don't know. I'm just chasing the dream, I guess. <laughs> so, But same thing. I didn't ever think of myself as superstitious. And then these things start happening. You're going, well, this is really weird. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I've just like decided, well, I don't know if this is actually a symbol of anything, but I'm going to take it as comfort. So sure. Yeah. Sure. And you just don't know. You don't know how God is going to talk to you or your spirit's going to talk to you or your loved ones are going to talk to you. So, hey, why not? I mean, I think it's better to be open than to be dismissive of all of it now. So I'm just going to ask you a question. In some of the conversations I've been having, the matter of what do we do with the things, you know, how our conversation started, uh -huh. what do I do with the things and how do I deal with the emotion and the memories attached to the things and what do I keep, what do I let go of, what process do we go through? And I'm wondering, because you've had to do this, obviously, and are still going uh -huh. through this with people uh -huh. who you care very deeply for, what have you found works for you in terms of what to keep, what to let go? Well, there's the obvious, I mean, you know, the boxes of old bills and old paperwork and things like that. The hard part is my husband and I had a discussion about some of the things his mother had left. There were like magazine clippings of ideas that she wanted to decorate the house with. And I'm going, mm, you know, they're sentimental, but everybody's got their own kind of buttons that, you know, trigger memories. And so it's, it's really hard. I think if you do it in stages, it helps. You know, you kind of get rid of the most obvious things first and you kind of work through, okay, now what's really meaningful to me and what can I give away? What will help someone else? I've carted a lot of things to thrift shops and, and Goodwill with my parents and with now you know, my husband's parents as well, helping them with that process. You know, it's, it's nice to know it's not just going in the trash. It's hard. It's really hard. Probably have about uh, three or four bins of old photographs that, it's like one of these days we should scan them and share them. And it's again, it's a project. Maybe I'll get to now that I'm retired. And those things are, I think, are meaningful photographs because it's kind of a window into the past and looking at your, your family. I had just had a conversation yesterday, actually, and she was talking about some plates and bowls and dishes and things that were antique that had belonged to her mother and her grandmother. And she mm -hmm. was feeling like, you know, gee, I really, what do I do with this? I don't really need this. They were going to be downsizing. And mm -hmm. she said, she finally said they've represented the past and now someone else can enjoy them. And she said her grandmother and her mother would not be mad at her if she let them go. They would still love her, even if she let them go. Right. 
That's hard to let go of things like that. I know that was really hard. I, I have, I still have some of my mother's old teacups and I'm, you know, I've been giving them away like to my daughters-in-law and then to other people, you know, just in, that I know that like to drink tea. So eventually I'll get rid of them all. <laughs> yeah. Keep them in the family. Yeah. I had yeah. this set of China that was my mother and father's wedding China and it was Copenhagen China. And mm-hmm. my grandmother had a set, my mom had a set and my aunt had a set and I think the two boys in the family had a set to the boys, the, my uncles, they always called okay. them the boys. So then it was, well, we need to make sure that as many of the grandkids as possible can have a set. So they made sure that the granddaughters got a set. Well, then there was one nephew whose wife loved everything, Norwegian, Danish, everything Scandinavian. Uh-huh. And my mother particularly loved this young woman and her connection to all things Norwegian food. And so I gifted my set to her and her husband. That was probably the best decision I made when we moved to Kansas City, because I was so concerned about something getting broken Uh and then it not being useful to anyone. Irma Bombeck actually spoke at my graduation when I got my MSW. One of the things she said is, stop putting your china in the cabinet, take it out and use it, take your good silverware and use it. But nobody does that. So I I do do for holidays. Well, and I think we did too. It was like, that was for Ludafisk and Lafsa. We'd have the the china out. But but I'm trying to kind of channel Irma Bombeck and say, yeah, use the good stuff while you're alive and can enjoy it. Definitely. Yeah. No, my sister and I went down to Arizona last winter to where my dad was living and my stepmother's living in this house now, but there was boxes and boxes of his things. And there were things that we just, because we were flying, both of us, we just didn't have room to take anything that really the most special, valuable things to us. And some, there was some paperwork from when he was in the Navy and, and photographs and things like that. But lots of things went to the thrift store. A lot of things went to actually just into the dumpster too. I mean, it's hard, but you, yeah, those decisions, if somebody can't enjoy it, then give it away or throw it away. It's hard work though. It's really hard work. And that's why we had to have distance with him too. I mean, it took us a couple of years with him before we got back down there and actually dealt with it. Do you have any final thoughts? If you think about people listening to the podcast, who might be having experiences and might be questioning their sanity or, or wondering, should I tell anybody about this? I believe that there is something in everyone that's their spirit, that's their soul. And something happens that's you can't explain. I mean, I believe in being open-minded and saying, hey, this can be very real. And it doesn't matter whether people think you're crazy or not. I mean, if it's important and meaningful to you, then it's very special and something that you need to treasure. Thank you for listening to Spirited Conversations. Please like and follow Spirited Conversations on Facebook at Terry Kennedy 1111. T-E-R-I-K-E-N-N-E-D-Y 
1111. If you have a personal story to share, please message me with a brief description of your experience, your first name, and email address. Sleep tight. Ooh.